This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. As we learned in the last podcast in Matthew chapter 14, it started off really heavy because we we learn of the death of John the baptizer he he had been preaching the truth he had been confronting uh, the sin of Herod Antipas and his wife Herodias while he was in prison and Herodias decides she's tired of hearing this stuff and so she comes up with a scheme um, at she throws a party for her husband uh, probably uh, some alcohol or some drugs going on at this party and she's going to send in her daughter which is Herod Antipas's stepdaughter and um, she does a, a provocative dance probably in her birthday suit and uh, it, it, Herod Antipas got so excited he makes a vow in front of his friends that she can have anything that she wants in the kingdom but she had been put up to this by her mom Herodias, Herod Antipas's wife, and she had asked for John the Baptizer's head on a platter, and uh, so Herod, uh, he was a politician, and he did not want to kill John because of the people. Not that he cared anything about John, but he did care about the people and their votes, and he did not want a riot to get stirred up or whatever. Because you know, as a Roman uh, leader, you do not want that going on in your district. So. He didn't want to kill John, but he made this vow because of peer pressure and because he made this, you know, he wanted to appear strong and not weak in front of his buddies. He had to follow through with it. And so he has John the baptizer beheaded while he was there in prison. Uh, And in verses 10 through 13, the first part of verse 13, it says, So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. And later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. And when they went and told Jesus, well, they went and told Jesus what had happened. And as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. And I'll come back to that in, in, in a few minutes. <clears throat> because obviously Jesus wanted to grieve the loss, or at least I believe that's what he was doing, that he wanted to grieve the loss of a family member and a great friend. But we're going to see that this process of grieving was it was interrupted. But before we get into all that, I've got a question, and it's it's it. I think it's one that really can't even be answered. But at the least, I want to cause you to think a little bit. And this question is this, and it's heavy. Why did Jesus allow John to die? Why did Jesus not stop? Herod Antipas from having John the Baptizer beheaded. He he could have miraculous. I mean, God could have sent like He did Peter in Acts chapter. I believe it's Acts chapter nine when Peter was put in prison because Herod another uh, I believe it was another Herod, may have been the same Herod had uh, uh, John um, the brother of James the son of Zebedee beheaded, and Peter was next. Peter was in prison, but since it was uh, uh, the Passover, he had to wait a week. And so he had to wait in prison for a week to be beheaded. And he knew what was coming. But an angel came and rescued Peter. Why didn't Pe- Why didn't the angel come and rescue James? 
Why didn't the angel, why didn't God, um, why did God allow this? And this is, I, I, I see people, or I hear people say this all the time or something similar. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow suffering? And uh, it's a deep subject. Um, but the, the bottom line is, you know, this goes, suffering comes because of the choices that man made, not the choices that God made. God relieves our suffering. He gives us hope. I mean, it, God's own son suffered. So we're not going to be um, uh, immune to suffering. Uh, sin is the reason why there is suffering. When God made man, and I'm just going to just briefly just talk about this just for a second because we've done other podcasts on this. But when, when God created Adam and then created Eve, there was perfect communication between the two. The water came up out of the earth and watered the ground. Adam and Eve didn't have to do anything. They just had to, to live in perfect harmony, if you will, or in community with God. And everything was great. It was absolutely perfect. But then the devil comes along in the form of a servant and dupes Eve, and then she passes that fruit on to Adam, and he eats that fruit because the devil says you could be like God. Well, they were already in perfect communion with God, and they didn't realize it because now the devil says, hey, you could be like God. You can know both good and evil. You, you, can, you can have it better than what you have it now, and it was an absolute lie, and they bought into the lie. And so when, as soon as they took a bite of that fruit, they disobeyed God, which is what sin is. And then because of their sin, because they chose to eat that fruit, not God, they chose to eat the fruit. God put the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden and said, don't, don't eat that fruit. Well, that gave man free will. God could have made us robots, but he didn't. He gave us a free will. We, we have a choice to make, to either do what God says or not do what God says. And Adam and Eve chose to do what God said not to do. They took a bite of that fruit and their eyes were open. They realized they're naked. They're ashamed. They go hide. And then God comes along and takes care of their neck. And they try to take care of their, their, their shame. And they try to make clothes out of fig leaves. And they hide from God. God comes along and says, where are you? He knew where they were at. He has a conversation with them. He kills the, the first sacrifice and he makes a clothing out of the animal's skin and covers their shame. But then because of their sin, because they chose to do what God said not to do, they went against God's will. That's what sin is. You can fill in the blank with any sin. If God says don't do this and we do that, that's a sin. If God says do this and we don't do that, that's a sin. That's disobedience. But anyway, God made provision for their sin. And that's the very reason why Jesus had to come and die on the cross for our sins. Because, and Paul talks about this, I believe it's in Romans, where he talks about the, how sin came from Adam, from one man. But salvation, forgiveness, it came from one man. It came through the second Adam, which is Jesus. So that's, a, that's, that's it in a nutshell. God does, yeah, God does allow it, but he has to allow it because we made the choice as human beings to sin, to go against God. And when we made that choice, then suffering 
entered. It's, it just goes along with that with that consequence. But even though God allows it, He made a way of escape for it because He gave His only Son, who also went through suffering, uh, especially on the cross, even before the cross. And then He was buried for three days, and He came out of the tomb alive, victorious, which gives us hope. And yes, even though we go through suffering, we have something far greater to look forward to where there will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. And that's being in heaven with Jesus. But the only way we can be in heaven with Jesus, the only way we can be in heaven with God the Father and the Holy Spirit for eternity is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, who also suffered. So why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why did... Why did Jesus not stop Herod Antipas from beheading John? Why did he allow that to happen? Well, when I was in Bible college, I had a, a teacher. His name was Kippy Myers. And he wrote a book that's actually, uh, it, the title of that book is, Why Does God Allow Suffering? Oh, no, I'm sorry. The, the title of the book is The Problem of Suffering. Uh, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes if you want to uh, Check that book out and, and, and buy a copy. I think it's like ten bucks. It's not very expensive, but it, but it's a very good book. Uh, and we had a class uh, that came from that book, uh, so I, I recommend that. But there's there's all kind of books out there for this. It's a very deep deep subject. I'm I'm just giving you the 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 uh, nutshell, if you will. The uh, just the a very brief uh, reason why God allows suffering. Um, but, but God's not the problem. Man's choices are the problem. There's evil out there. There's a, uh, Satan is real. The devil is real. And, and the Bible says that he is the ruler of this world. His time is short. His time is coming to an end. But for right now, he's, he, he, this world that we live in, it's his world. He rules it. And it's pretty obvious that he does because just look at the evil and the wickedness that's going on in our world today. And and with the with the uh, the introduction of social media, it's just it's just out there everywhere. You can't get away from it um, unless you just shut yourself in your room and and turn off all devices and don't turn on the TV or the radio because you're going to hear about it. But know that God has given us hope and he's given us uh, uh, something to look forward to, if you will, and that's heaven. But only if we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we're following him. So anyway, I don't want to dive any more into that. I'll put a link to, to Kippy Meyer's book, The Problem of Suffering, in the show notes. And you can check that out if, if you would like. Um, but as a great... As great of a man that, that John was, John the Baptizer, and as much as he had done for the kingdom of God, as obedient he was to his calling, and he was 100% obedient, it was his life's calling, and he, he carried that out. The mission that God himself gave John, John was still imprisoned, he was still beheaded. And I want to say this, just because that we decide to make Jesus our Lord and our Savior, it does not mean that we will be immune to bad things happening in our lives. 
Because, I, well, that's, like I said a while ago, evil still exists. And God, he does not control our free will. He set the tree in the garden for a purpose, and that's to give us a choice, to give us free will. We all, everybody, we all have choices to make. And unfortunately, some people choose to do evil things. And when people choose to do evil things, we all suffer. Even those who belong to Jesus. That's just the way it is. Just look at the early church who was persecuted. They were jailed. They were beaten. They were tortured. They were stoned. They were beheaded. All because they lived for Jesus. Even by by the church people. People who thought they were following God. People who were living right according to the Old Testament laws. And they thought God was first in their lives. They were the ones who were doing the persecuting for the most part. They thought they were doing God a favor by getting rid of these people who are followers of the way, who followed Jesus. Think about Stephen. Stephen's a great example. In Acts chapter 8, I believe it is, he was about to be stoned and And he was stoned, but during the stoning, he looks up and he sees Jesus. And Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. So Jesus is standing at the right hand of God, and he's looking down from heaven, and he's watching as Stephen was being stoned. Could he have stopped it? Absolutely. Was he aware of what's happening? A hundred percent he was. It's like they looked eyeball to eyeball. Stephen looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Of God the Father. But instead of stopping it, Jesus watched it happen. You see, God is not caught off guard when people choose to do evil. And we see this just turn on the radio, turn on, look at, get on Twitter. That's what I use for news. I don't look at the news. It's just, it's, the news is crap. Every time you turn it on, it's just, so much crap going on in our world it's just i mean shooting people shooting going into crowds and shooting up people and shooting kids and killing kids and killing other innocent adults i mean it's it's just it's sickening and just the things that's going on it's just it's sickening it's all i can say it's just sickening but God is not caught off guard when people choose to do evil and his children are hurt in the process. He knows exactly what is going on. And here's the thing about God. He, he's waiting eagerly to welcome us into his presence. He's not going to stop it. He's it's, it's just not. He didn't stop it from happening to his own son. What makes us better than Jesus? We're, we're not better than Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. We're sinners. And I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy of God. And He has given us this hope in Jesus. And so He's eagerly waiting uh, to welcome us into His presence. You think about it. Where's John? Yes, he, he suffered. Yes, he was beheaded. But now he's in heaven. Where's Stephen? Yes, he suffered from the stoning. He looks up and he sees Jesus. What, what does that do? That gives him hope. And, and Stephen even says as he's dying, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Where's Stephen? He's in heaven. Where's every persecuted person who gave their life to Jesus? They're in heaven. 
So the question shouldn't be, why does God allow suffering? Or why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? No, that, that shouldn't be the question. The question should be something like this. If or when, rather, something bad does happen to me, to you, am I ready to meet God? Are you ready to meet God? Because that day is coming. Death is coming. There's no stopping death. It's happening 100% to every person. The Bible says so. Hebrews 9.27 It's appointed unto a man to die once and after this, the judgment. It's coming. There's no stopping death. We don't know when death's going to come, but it's coming. And the question is, am I ready to meet God? Am I ready to stand before Jesus? Because when that time comes, when no matter how we die on this earth, whether we die uh, persecuted or whether we die a peaceful death, we're dying. This heart's going to beat the last beat. These lungs are going to take their last breath. And when that time comes, I'm crossing into eternity. And there's going to be God standing there waiting for me. And I'm going to stand before Jesus. And the only thing that matters at that moment in time is what did I do with Jesus? Did I accept his sacrifice or did I reject his sacrifice? Am I washing the blood of Jesus or am I not washing the blood of Jesus? Are my sins forgiven or will I be held accountable for my sins? And that's a question that you got to answer right now before we move on to this podcast. You can choose to ignore it. You can say, hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. It doesn't matter what you believe in that. It's going to happen. Death's coming. Eternity's coming. And it's going to be too late for you if you have that attitude. And I pray that you don't have that attitude. I pray that the Holy Spirit will take what I just said and, and, and show you and pierce your heart and say, you better listen to what he's saying because it's going to happen. So anyway, let's get back to Jesus and his grieving process. So uh, he gets the news about John the baptizer, that he's been beheaded, he's been, he's been killed, and they've gone off to bury him. And so Jesus is going to go and he, he go off to be alone for a while. And I think that he's going to grieve the loss of a friend and a great man. And he's also a relative. They were they were kin to each other because uh, their mothers were, were kin to each other. Um, but he's going, in my opinion, to grieve a loss of a friend who did a ton for the kingdom of God. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. He paved the way for Jesus, the Messiah. But... As Jesus is going off to be alone, something happens and, and, and this process is inter- interrupted. And he doesn't get to go off and grieve at the moment. He will later on. But in verses 13 through 21, that's what Matthew says. As soon as Jesus heard the news, talking about of John, the death of John, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed. Imagine that, the crowds. Here they are again. They hear where he is headed, and they follow on foot from many towns. And so Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And that evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, It's not necessary. You feed them. 
Um, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. We'll bring them here, he said. And then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he looks up to heaven, and he blesses them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. It's pretty interesting. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. How many disciples are there? There's 12. How many, how many uh, basketfuls of leftovers do they have? Twelve. One for each disciple. About 5,000 men, Matthew says, were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So one thing that I never realized uh, about what we call the feeding of the 5,000, which was actually a whole lot more than that, probably 10 to 15,000, because you got women, you got mothers, you got uh, uh, grandmothers, you got uh children and they they were not counted in the count only the men were counted and there was about 5000 men so if if half of these men were married and and maybe half of their mothers came along and then they have children you got easily 10 to 15000 people at the feeding of the 5000 but one thing i i, I never really noticed uh, was that this happened at the time right after Jesus hears about the death of John the baptizer, his great friend and his relative has done so much for the kingdom of God. We can learn a great lesson from this. Um, and, you know, there's a great lesson in the, the miracle and how they took the, the fish and the, and the, and the, the bread and, and they fed all these people and they gathered up all these, you know, uh, these leftovers. Um, but... There's a whole lot more to this story than that. And I, I, I've, 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 I've always known that Jesus was moved with compassion. And that's why he fed this ginormous crowd. But I never realized, to studying for this podcast, that it came right after the uh, learning of John the baptizer's death. And to me, this is a, a beautiful example of giving. Well, what do you mean? How can this be a, a beautiful example of giving? Well, think about this. If Jesus was going off to grieve, if you if you just lost a loved one, I, I, I've preached or officiated many funerals, and I can assure you, the people that just lost a loved one didn't want to deal with a bunch of people. They're sad. Uh, their uh, their minds aren't right. Uh, they're grieving. They're crying many times you know uncontrollably the last thing they want to do is have a bunch of people come to them with a bunch of needs and them having to meet those needs and jesus was a hundred percent human he had emotions he he cried he got hungry he got thirsty uh he felt pain uh he, you know, all these things he's sad he just lost a loved one he just lost a friend he just lost somebody that worked with him for the kingdom of God. And, and I think that he's wanted to go off to grieve. And the last thing I'm sure that he wanted to do was deal with a bunch of people. So I've officiated a lot of funerals and knowing how people are feeling and acting and reacting at funerals, the last thing they want to do would be to meet a bunch of people's needs, uh, especially being around a huge crowd and a lot of people just you know they want to go off to be alone so they can grieve because uh the grief process it takes time um 
it you know when you lose a loved one like i i have a good friend uh from back home who lost her husband uh i can't remember how long they were married 25 30 they've been together since junior high i'm 50 years old um she's a little bit older than me she graduated a couple of years before me but they have been together since junior high and he got he, he uh had a seizure got sick and 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 never regained consciousness and and passed away and it's been a year year and a half i can't really remember uh, the the time frame but to her she is still in a grieving process it it it, it it's like it literally just happened and 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 so my point is grieving takes time and Jesus was human. And, and, and Matthew tells us that Jesus was going off to be alone. Why? In my opinion, he wanted to go off to grieve. And the last thing that he would want in this process is a crowd of people, ten to 15,000 people who were saying, hey, Meet my needs. But that's exactly what he does. Think about this. John the Baptizer, I said in the last podcast, he is the first martyr for the kingdom of God. He, He was literally beheaded, and that's brutal. But what kind of effect is this going to have on Jesus' disciples? I mean, this is something I've never really thought about. What what kind of effect is this going to have on those disciples that were following John that have now started following Jesus? Uh, they were close to John. They loved John. And now they see John beheaded and buried. Well, the, you know, the first thing that's got to be going through their mind, hey, this could happen to me because I'm out here... With Jesus, who's getting all these people, I mean, Jesus is not trying to rile up anybody, but these, these religious leaders, they're, they're, they can't stand him. They hate him. They want him gone. They're plotting to kill him. I'm one of the 12. I'm everywhere Jesus goes. I'm, he's empowered me to go out here and preach the message of the kingdom of God and to do these miracles. I could be next. I could be beheaded. I've got family. I've got loved ones. You know, and so how is this going to affect Jesus's followers. How's this going to affect Jesus's ministry? You know, this is something you know something I've never really stopped to think about. But th- this was this had to be an issue with Jesus and his followers. Not only is Jesus wanting to go off and grieve the loss of John, but he also has to do deal with these 12 men who some have families and they've got to be thinking, hey, I could be next. Look what happened to John. I'm out here preaching the truth too. I'm out here telling people about sin. What what if I'm killed? And you know, uh, eventually they are. Except for uh, um, uh, John who writes the book of Revelation. Um, so, 
Jesus was going off to be alone. He's going off to start this grieving process. And he's sidetracked by this, I call the greedy crowd, that don't even consider his needs. They don't care that he's going off to, to, to grieve. They, they just know that we have needs and we want our needs to be met. And from all four Gospels, we see how this crowd, they followed ahead of Jesus. They, they, they went ahead. They, they heard, Matthew says, they heard where he was going, and they literally beat him to the spot, if you will. They went through these towns, and as they went through these towns, they're saying, hey, Jesus is going here, and we're going to meet Jesus. We're going to get our needs met. And when Jesus comes from the the shore and he sees the crowds he doesn't shun them he doesn't tell them to go away he doesn't say i'm here to grieve i'm here to be alone i'll deal with you later no the bible says that he was moved with compassion he welcomed the crowd this is amazing to me because there's no way that he that if he's going off off to grieve the loss of a loved one and i know from from officiating funerals that people that, that their minds aren't right they're they're in a grieving process because they just lost a loved one the last thing they want to do is to deal with a crowd of people especially 10 to 15,000 who are wanting something from them they want they want to be left alone so they can go through their grieving process but Jesus welcomes the crowd not only did he welcome the crowd but he took time to talk with these people to teach these people he took time to feed these people. This would have been an all-day-long process. Because not only did he feed these people, he, he didn't just feed them some lunch. He, he, fed, he fed them a meal. He let them eat as much as they wanted. You know, he didn't ration. When he told the disciples, go feed the people, he, he didn't say, hey, ration the food because we don't have very much. He said, you give them as much as they ask for. Give them until their bellies are full. Why? Because he was moved with compassion. And he met their needs. Even though he was going off to be alone to grieve, he still met the needs of the people. Um, it's so long, that, that day is so long, that evening had come, and since they were in a remote place near Bethsaida, uh, there wasn't, anywhere to get food and the disciples they wanted to send the people home but jesus says hey you feed them and the natural question would be how are we going to feed all these people there's way too many people here and of course we know that jesus worked the miracle and fed them with the two fish and the five loaves and this is why i say that this is a great example of giving. Jesus was going off to a remote place. He was going there to take some time to be alone with God, to grieve the loss of a friend, a family member, someone who he was partnered with, if you will, in the kingdom of God, who paid the way for him. And yet he gives time, he gives food, and he meets the needs of every person there who needed him. Whether it was healing, a demon cast out, whatever. Just a just a talk. Jesus gave.
And this absolutely is amazing to me. How Jesus put the needs of others before his own. And then I'm reminded that, hey, I'm called to be like Jesus. You are called to be like Jesus. Now look at myself and I, uh, and I think about this and I was like, man, I, I'm one selfish person. And I can't speak for you, but I know I'll fall way short when it comes to be like, uh, for me to be like Jesus. And so Paul, he quotes, Jesus, uh, he quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, when he's talking to the elders in Ephesus. And this is what Paul says. He says, Jesus said it's better to give than receive. Now, a lot of preachers take this out of context and they use this as a method to, to get us to give money at the church. Uh, that's another topic on another podcast. But we don't read anywhere in the Gospels where where, where Paul heard this or where uh, Jesus said this. Uh, maybe he heard it from Jesus himself because Paul and Jesus did have conversations. But this is what we know for a fact. Jesus absolutely 100% modeled what he said. Jesus was the best example of giving and giving selflessly. Think about it. We are to put others' needs before our own needs and wants and desires. Yet how many times has somebody asked us to do something, a spouse, a a child, one of our children, a, a, a friend, anybody, co-worker, a stranger even, whoever. And just automatically, our response, our immediate response is we start coming up with excuses because we don't want to do it. We're tired. We've been working all day. We just want some alone time. We're busy, whatever, filling the blank. We just don't want to do it. We, so what do we do? We blow them off. We blow them off and we give them these excuses, but then we turn around and we take care of our own selfish desires, much like that crowd that Jesus fed. They didn't care that Jesus had just learned about the death of John. All they cared about was themselves and getting their needs met, and the food was a bonus. And yet there's Jesus going off to be alone for some time, But he was interrupted by the crowd and yet he puts his needs aside and he spent a lot of time with that crowd healing their sick and feeding them with the bread and the fish, teaching them about the kingdom of God and being the example that we all should be. You and I, we that have put Christ on in baptism, that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, we that follow Jesus, we are called to do the same thing, and that's to be Jesus, to be like Jesus. And I want to end the podcast by reading Philippians 2, 1 through 18, with very little commentary, if any. Paul says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate, 
then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So he's talking to Christians, and he's telling us to work together as Christians, as Christ followers, unity. This is what he says. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in the obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, Paul says, You always follow my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. And he did lose his life, by the way. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice. And I will share your joy. I'm going to end the podcast by saying this. When people look at me, and when people look at you, do they see Jesus? Now think long and hard before you answer that question. Do they see someone who is moved with compassion and gives their time, gives their resources, gives their talents? Someone who puts others first, who puts others' needs before their own needs. Because that's what Jesus did. Or when people look at us who claim to follow Jesus, do they see a selfish person who makes all kinds of excuses and hardly ever gets involved in other people's lives? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus always put himself in his needs to the back burner and he always met other people's needs and this was a great example and I've never ever noticed this before as long as I've been studying the Bible that this feeding of the 5,000 which is really 10 to 15,000 when you count the women and children that this was an all-day event it lasted well on up into the evening And it all came at Jesus finding out the news of losing a dear friend. And he was going off, in my opinion, to
to be with Matthew does say he was going off to be alone, and in my opinion, he's going off to grieve John and to figure out how is this going to affect my ministry and the men that are with me because they're going to be scared to death that they're going to be next because a lot of those people follow John. They love John. All of them love John. They were good friends, but they all preached righteousness. They all preached against sin, and they were all preaching the kingdom of God. And the day did come that they were just like John, that they were persecuted and they were killed for their faith. But do people see Jesus when they see or when they look at you and me? Do they see somebody who is selfless like Jesus? Or do they see somebody who is selfish and could give a rip about other people's needs, who just make excuses and then go on to meet our own personal needs. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Remember, keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.